and welcome to another edition of LGBT in the Ring, your rainbow bastion for all things pro wrestling. I am your host, Brian Bell, back at you once again here on the Outsports Radio Network. Let me tell you, uh, this week's episode is a fun one for me personally. We got a little bit of Outsports Radio uh synergy going on here um, because the past weekend we had a lot of WWE to, to digest. We had the uh, NXT TakeOver War Games on Saturday night and then we had the WWE Survivor Series on Sunday night and I thought that the best person to have that discussion with to unpack all of the weekend's festivities would be none other than uh, Daniel Trainer, uh, a fellow uh, pro wrestling head um, and the host of another program on the Outsports Radio Network, uh, the Same Team Podcast. He's, Daniel has interviewed a number of LGBTQ pro wrestling figures um, on his show, among other uh, out at- athletes. And I thought that he would be the perfect person to come on and, and discuss the weekend's events. Um, everything from uh, Tommaso Ciampa and Adam Cole almost dying, all the way to, to Daniel's deeply held feelings about The Fiend. Uh, but we'll get into all of that um, here in just a second. Uh, I do want to touch on one thing, though, before we jump into our discussion. Um, during the discussion, we we brought up the Corey Graves, Mara Ronaldo situation that that kind of came to light over the weekend. Uh, for those that don't know, we go into it in the conversation proper, but um, basically Corey Graves uh, was rather critical of Mara Ronaldo's commentary during the NXT TakeOver War Game show uh, on Twitter. Um, this, of course targeted at a man in Ronaldo who has a long history of uh, fighting mental health issues. He is uh, diagnosed bipolar and heading into the weekend had voiced that he was having one of his more difficult times with his uh, with his condition going into the weekend. So obviously that blew up a bit where Mar Ronaldo uh, was originally scheduled to work um, on Sunday night at the Survivor Series show, he did not. Um, and now, according to a report from Post Wrestling, um, he is not going to be on Wednesday night's edition of uh, NXT. Obviously, uh, this is being recorded before that airs, so we'll have to wait and see if the, that report is true. But all things are indicating that he's not going to be on there. Um, of course, this all blew up because Corey refused to apologize. He did not take the tweet down, and he had basically just derided anybody who critiqued him online about it. Um, but there has been a development since uh, mine and Daniel's conversation about the issue where Corey Graves, on his own podcast... Uh, offered an apology to Mar- not to say to Mar Ronaldo, but apologized for the comments that he made. And I'm going to read. This is a quote from his apology. Uh, On a personal note, I needed to address something. This past Saturday during the Takeover War Games event, I sent out a tweet. It was an unpopular opinion, as I often do with the intention of just stirring up a little controversy. Maybe have something fun to talk about on TV or here on the show. It was maybe not the most professional way to go about things, and it was never meant to offend or disrespect or disparage anybody. That was never my intention. If it was taken as such, I apologize deeply. That was not my intention. I would never intentionally cause anybody undue stress, especially a co-worker, so I apologize. 
Okay, look. It's good that Corey finally addressed the issue in a way that was not super shitty. And I'm glad that he did offer some form of an apology. But much like how I criticized David Lagana and the NWA's response to the Jim Cornette issue last week, um, it's a rather milquetoast feeling apology. For somebody who... Let's face it, on, on, on his Twitter account, he was critical of people for not coming to him for about to talk to him about this story and just spouting off online about it. Um, and if that's the case, I'm very curious to know if Corey actually apologized to Morrow himself before all of this. Because basically Corey's been not necessarily silent about it, but he hasn't shown any modicum of of um, regret for his say, for anything he said regarding the situation until his podcast dropped Wednesday. Um, once again, I'm glad that he did offer some form of an apology, but his explanation for why he did it makes no sense. I know there's been some talk that he made the tweet as part of the, the storyline feud between the brands with him being on, um, on SmackDown, um, and not on NXT, but it just, it came off in bad taste. It took him way too long to address it. It feels kind of crappy that he basically waited until his own podcast dropped to apologize, but I understand it hits a platform that he controls in some ways, even though it is a WWE-branded podcast. Um, But at the same time, you don't need to stir up controversy to have something to talk about on your show like it's pro pro wrestling is one of the is a medium that always has something to talk about just look at the litany of podcasts and news sites and recap youtube channels that are cover pro wrestling not just from like a historic basis but on a modern basis as well on the on a, like you don't need these sort of things to generate something to talk about and if that is the re- if that is your reasoning and that is the excuse you're going to give, it is a very short-sighted excuse and one that doesn't hold a lot of water, honestly. Um, so while I am very glad to see that there has been some olive branch extended, even if it was just you know T-Rex armed out there by Graves, the that's a good development. But at the end of the day, like the statement. <sighs> But at the end of the day, the statement from Graves just nothing good could come of it. But at the end of the day, you know, the the statement remains what it was. Graves' reputation remains what it is, and and his rationale for what he said, poking and prodding a man who has suffered with bipolar disorder for a long time, um, just doesn't hold that much weight. But that's fine. I wanted to get that out of the way because we did have some developments after Daniel and I discussed the weekend proper. Um, and speaking of that conversation, let's get to that right now. All right, guys, gals, and non-binary pals, welcome back to LGBT in the ring. Um, oh, we have a lot of wrestling from the weekend to unpack here on the show today. Uh, Survivor Series, of course, happened, as well as NXT TakeOver, War Games, I believe the third iteration of that. And I honestly couldn't think of anybody uh, more fitting 
to discuss these topics, specifically the WWE stuff, than um, a voice that is familiar to anyone who has been uh, following this new this new batch of podcasts on uh, the Outsports Radio Network. Of course, his show uh, has existed long before our our network has, but we are very glad to have him on the network as well as on today's show. Uh, please welcome the host of the Same Team podcast, which drops every other Wednesday on the Outsports Radio Network, Mr. Daniel Trainer, How are you doing today? I am so great, Brian. Uh, thank you very much of yours and of this show. And I am very excited to talk some Survivor Series. I am, as, as I'm sure you can relate, a very exhausted wrestling fan these days. Uh, <laughs> but I am always down to talk some wrestling, especially because I think there's some fun stuff to talk about from the from this past weekend. Oh, there definitely is, um, and and I think you hit the nail on the head in terms of being a exhausted wrestling fan. I think it's um, pretty easy to wear yourself thin with a lot of this stuff, but it's it's it always uh, repays itself whenever you get some of these more um, exciting moments in some of these shows. And yeah, take, both Takeover and Survivor Series were, were uh, full of them. Um, they were also full of other things. <laughs> <laughs> That we will sure. definitely get into as we move on in this. Um, can, I, can I ask you? I'm sure to hijack your podcast, but something okay. that just came to my mind in terms of um, being a wrestling fan in, in today's age, where there's just so much content. And forgive me if you've talked about this on the podcast before, but because uh, we both live on the West Coast, right? You're in Oregon. Yes. I'm in LA. Mm-hmm. What? What? is your strategy on Wednesday nights for NXT and AEW? Because I get, I don't know if this is the same for you. I get them both delayed. Do you as well? Yes, I do get them both delayed. Um, I tend to uh, DVR and watch them very late at night because I am usually up till two in the morning, no matter what I'm doing. Okay, um, that's a problem. It, it might be a problem. Um, we're checking into it. But... <laughs> But no, like, I tend to like, because I, I don't tend to watch the shows live um, just because, you know, being on the West Coast and not necessarily having my days dictated around a certain time where I have to be at home to watch a wrestling show for the, like, I haven't centered myself around like being home, say, like to watch Raw live like I right. did whenever I was a kid, you know? So in that way, like the scheduling idea has changed to kind of facilitate a more flexible schedule for me personally. And I honestly have no issue like hanging back and watching stuff on DVR. Um, one, because I can just fast forward through all the commercials Yeah, uh, with raw and SmackDown specifically, I can fast forward through some of the more uneventful elements and make that those shows <laughs> a bit more bearable. Um, yeah, sure. Although raw this week was good, Brian. I'm sorry. I, to- sorry. I'm sorry to get ahead of ourselves here, but I thought <laughs> Raw was good. I thought Raw was good this week. Raw had a Raw had a a great moment. I will give it that. Um, with Rey Mysterio and and AJ Styles. Oh, that's, that's not even not even the moment I thought you were referencing. So we oh, have, okay. We have things to talk about, but I guess like what I'm saying for me is because it, it goes for Raw and SmackDown as well, but like. I know I need to watch Raw or SmackDown. And to be honest, I mean, SmackDown hasn't been appointment viewing for a long time. But uh, 
I know I need to watch a show if a friend of mine texts me, oh, did you see what happened on Raw? And so that, for me, is so anticlimactic when I'm living on the West Coast and I'm getting things getting things three hours later. Uh, if I don't get that, hey, did you see what happened text, I know that there's really nothing to see, which is so sad. I see what you're saying. Okay. See, I... I don't necessarily have that problem because a lot of my like wrestle friends are really mainly content through like Twitter and social media. So I can just basically turn that off and ignore it. So I don't really have any point of reference of whether I need to watch something or whether something super excited happened. I can keep myself in the dark a bit and just, because like you said, we have to watch these shows. We cover these things. It's our, job in a way to to make sure that we watch these things yeah yeah but at the end of the day like i still tend to like to go in into these shows um in the dark in a lot of ways um i i have been spoiled on a few occasions um since the the wednesday night wars started um uh, with some AEW stuff but it hasn't really like i don't know it hasn't really affected my enjoyment of the show obviously like it's still awesome yeah. stuff to see well that's good yeah you're you're inspiring me to be a better fan then because i <laughs> i yeah i i tend to if i don't get this sort of warning that something exciting has happened i i tend to just kind of speed through and and sort of see what i need to see rather than like i don't know that excitement of sitting down to watch a live thing is so fun you know, and I haven't had that in so long just from living uh, living on the West Coast, which is a shame. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess I'm also like – it is a little bit different for me also just because like I'm originally from the East Coast. And so I'm still getting used to the West Coast in some ways, even though I've been out yeah. here for like a handful of years at this point. Um, it's still – I don't have that experience over an elongated amount of time. So, you know, you probably have learned to, to deal with that in that way over a much longer period oh so, uh, once you live, uh once you've been a west coast boy for a little while Brian, <laughs> let me tell you oh don't worry you won't I'm look sorry. At the same ever again <laughs> uh, that, sorry, that... that was just a, a, rant, a question that popped into my head i i sorry to hijack you off the top of your own podcast oh no no it's all good like i i enjoy discussion in in all facets so i am totally down with that Lovely. But it is interesting, though, that you talk about like this this idea of how your viewing tendencies, especially with the live broadcast, because the one thing that we don't necessarily have that that time difference with are the, um, I guess, for lack of a better term, pay-per-view events, even though they're technically not Correct. pay-per-views anymore, um, of which we had a couple this weekend. We had, of course, the... Uh, NXT TakeOver on Saturday night, the, the third installment of the War Games uh, TakeOvers, uh, which once again featured the Undisputed Era in the War Games match, which I don't think anybody's complaining about that. Um, and then, no. of course, Sunday we had the Survivor Series as well. I guess before we get into the shows proper, I'm curious to get your opinion on the build to these shows because let's, I mean, the past few weeks of WWE television have been fairly murky in a lot of ways like it's just been a lot of like t-shirt brawls and a lot of um like mixed messaging in, in some of the 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 booking specifically with yeah. nxt 
where like you have you're trying to set up this war games match like a like a match to end all matches the match beyond uh to coin a phrase um yeah and a match where you're supposed to have these like people on either side that absolutely want to tear each other apart but then they're showing up on other shows acting together fighting together and we saw that even in like the 24-hour span between the war games event and the survivor series event um so i don't know what what how did you feel going into these shows based off of what's been going on on the television? Well, I, I think the past month of build has been extremely confusing, but also has played into WWE's hand in such an extraordinary way in the sense that, you know, obviously Wednesday nights are huge for them now. And, and people are looking at the ratings on Thursday mornings in a way that they haven't looked at wrestling ratings in forever. And so, wow, what a gift that they have where it's the survivor series where anything that anything can happen and brands fight other brands. And they certainly made the most of that. Right. I mean, they made NXT, uh, you know, obviously not only a major player, I mean, the major player, here uh across the entire company which i have many thoughts about but in terms of the build i think a lot of it was fun um i think a lot of it was confusing like i said it didn't really seem to make very much sense i mean all this emphasis on brand splits and then all of a sudden anybody can kind of show up wherever they want and hey triple h is involved and Shawn michaels is involved and dx is involved and there's a tank and it's all a little it's all a little confusing i thought that the the i thought nxt on wednesday was really really fun um the, the fact that all of these shows have sort of ended in brawls for god it feels like months <laughs> but it's really i guess just been like a week um is a little uh predictable and kind of silly feels very like easy booking um but I thought NXT on Wednesday was really, really great. And, and you know, not to sort of get into my my overall deeper thoughts about the weekend, but like, you know, if we can have one week a year and maybe one show a year where we are doing this sort of cross-brand uh, matches, that's great. Like, if we want to make the Wednesday before Survivor Series a dream night where we're getting all these sort of, you know, these inner brand matches that are happening out of nowhere. If we want to get Becky Lynch and Rhea Ripley off the, off the top of the show out of nowhere, I think that's great. I just don't want that to become the norm moving forward. And again, I think that's a conversation we'll have later, but the, the build was, was good. If, if not confusing, right? Because we're going into these matches and, and I, I don't understand why anybody has any incentive to win right like even if there was something as simple as like if your brand wins you get money you know like if yeah. raw wins every every wrestler on the roster gets ten thousand dollars or something like there was just like why why would anybody why would anybody care like brand supremacy is such a silly thing so the incentive for any of these people to win their matches especially these sort of like five on five matches uh didn't really click for me. Um, so it was all a little weird. You know, NXT being this sort of like underdog brand is interesting, obviously, but uh, it all got a little confusing for me. But, you know, again, it's like these takeover big four pay-per-view weekends uh, have tended to deliver. Um, and, and so I was I was very excited going in, even, even if the build was 
a little bit murky. I was I was pretty on board going into Saturday. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can I think I share that sentiment in terms of the takeover event. Um, I I was. I was more excited going into that show than Sunday show. I think personally, um, I think the, even though there were definitely some, some critiques on the build to the war game show, I think that they did a better job of kind of hyping that show up ahead of, uh, of the survivor series show personally, even though I was the one thing that frustrated me the most, even though it had an awesome payoff in the return of Kevin Owens, um, during the War Games match, going into that night, going into that event, not announcing the fourth member of the War Games team for uh, <laughs> Team Champa, it ate at me. It bothered me to my core. That I'm Wait, just like, why? Because I guess because like they have done so, they had done so much in terms of um, building everything else out of it around it that like having that one spot left just it just didn't sit well with me it's not it didn't feel very nxt-ish if, if that means anything like sure the t- the takeover events they are meticulously planned out they are they like I, I, can't, I can't think of the last time that we've had a a straight up mystery man in any match on an nxt takeover um did you did you think it was going to be kevin going into the night I did not. I did not know what to expect. I honestly, I, I honestly thought that the pre-show they would announce the fourth man, and I really, you could have thrown any number of names into that hat. And well, that's then, that's something. Speaking of like announcing teams on pre-shows, that's something to discuss later about Survivor yes, Series. Yes, it is. The, <laughs> the Raw's men's Survivor Series team made absolutely no sense. <laughs> Do you want to talk about like, the raw men's team, the raw women's team in some ways? I mean, I, I not not gonna dump on, on Sarah Logan because I love Sarah Logan as a wrestler and she seems rad as a person. Um I haven't seen Sarah Logan on my TV in how long? Made no yeah. sense. I the I I have to sort of disagree with you. I I, I always love the of a mystery opponent. And I think that's why like the Royal Rumble for me is all, it's my favorite show of the year because there's so much of that. There's so much uncertainty of who might come back, who could be a surprise, what sort of legend might we see. Like I live for those pops of like we got on Saturday of like of of KO's music hitting, which was like the moment of the weekend. Well, one of the moments of the weekend, certainly. Um, I thought it was going to be Velveteen Dream. Um, and I was excited for that because i love him um but then when it was ko i was excited but then again like again getting ahead of ourselves to survivor series so he's just not in nxt yeah like he's just that's that's the thing like he just has that and then one conversation with seth rollins and that's all done away <laughs> it's just, it's just, it's yeah it's just it's all a little bit confounding like i don't quite understand like finn balor shows up on nxt and he's just gets to be in nxt and then ko shows up at a takeover and just it, it i don't know there just doesn't seem to be any sort of logic why was he allowed to just be on this team and then he just goes back to being on Raw. It just doesn't. It, I don't know. It, it boggles the mind a little bit. No, it definitely does. I think. I think another point of why th- that one frustrated me the most frustrated me the way it did 
because I'm with you. I I tend to like mystery man stuff, mystery man spots and that sort of thing. Like I I'm with you on the Royal Rumble. Like those those surprise entrants are always great, um, for the most part. I guess it's just a lack of a lack of trust in who WWE would put in that spot. It's like yeah. yeah, Kevin Owens is the was the perfect choice for that. Like like you said, biggest pop of the night, biggest pop of the weekend, honestly. Yeah. I would say. Uh, whenever he came out for that match. But, you know, outside of Kevin Owens, I can't think of another person who would have gotten that pop, and it would have been very easy for them to put that person in the CM Punk. CM Punk. God. (laughs) Real real quick on on that. Um, I am frustrated that he is on the FS1 show simply because we're going to get more CM Punk chants now. Listen, I know so many. So I mean, obviously they're in Chicago, so it makes sense. But like, yes, so many, so many. I, I the I don't understand the logic behind it. It makes even less sense now. Like it doesn't. Like what? What are we doing by chanting his name? I don't understand. Like, are we hoping that he's there? Are we hoping he shows up? Are we hope like you? You're just like a fan. It makes a little bit of sense if you want to be like a dick and he like you know, he's not with the company and not, you know, the FS1 show, you know, blah, 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 is not necessarily a WWE product, but like, whatever. Like, what what are we doing by chanting his name? Like, it's just, I don't understand. No, I'm right there with you. Like, I think it's just one of those habitual things where like people don't necessarily know how to voice their displeasure. And that's just one of the go-tos. I don't know. I guess we'll just have to wait, wait and see if that really increases but i just there's just something about it that now that he's back in sort of in the fold he's going to be more on the minds even like even more so than he has been in the five years he's been gone for sure yeah for sure for sure cool well uh why don't we get into these shows real quick or actually you know what no before we get into the shows i i wanted to touch on this because obviously we're going to start with takeover but something that came up after or during takeover that I really wanted to touch on was this Corey Graves, Mara Ronaldo situation. Um, yeah. For those that, that have been following basically uh, Mara Ronaldo, the lead commentator for NXT, um, he uh, suffers from bipolar disorder and he had voiced on social media that he was having a, um, a tough weekend dealing with, uh, with his uh, mental health issues um, going into the show. And during the show, Corey Graves decided to hop on to Twitter and publicly um, take a dig at Mara Ronaldo. Um, I have the tweet right here. Uh, Just for the record, guys, I know you wouldn't know it, but there's actually a WWE Hall of Famer and a former Ring of Honor champion on commentary. I'd imagine they have a lot to offer. Um, Of course, he's referencing Beth Phoenix and Nigel McGuinness, who were on commentary with Mara during the show. Um... Of course, that has turned into its own firestorm in some ways with uh, both Dave Meltzer and Brian Alvarez and a couple of other um, members of the wrestling journalism community getting involved and it's just basically blowing up. And Corey, not standing by his words, uh, Mara Ronaldo, I believe, deactivated his Twitter account. He did not show up. He was scheduled to be on the Survivor Series show calling the NXT title match, um, was not there, left the arena, and... Last we heard, he's he's scheduled to be on the show uh, Wednesday night um, from the Full Sail. 
down in Orlando, but we don't necessarily know if he's going to show up. Um, obviously, Corey Graves has a history of being um, a dick online. <laughs> I assume being a dick in person too. I don't. I don't personally know him. I've never met Corey Graves, so I don't. I can't say that for sure. But I'm just gonna. No, no, I'm not gonna assume anything because assuming that's bad news. That's not what we do in this field. <laughs> um, <laughs> so no, I'll just leave it at this. He was a he was a shit heel online, um, and Morrow, you know, was already having a tough go of it. Obviously, this is going to affect his mental health, and you know, I I don't blame him for like I guess sort of taking his ball and going home and just kind of taking care of himself at this point. But the fact that the tweet is still up. Um, the fact that, you know, they, uh, the way that they categorized Mauro Ronaldo's absence on oh. the Survivor Series show really showed you where WWE stands with this, saying that he got so emotional that he threw, that he blew his voice out. Like they didn't, all they had to say was that he blew his voice out. You know, obviously that's wrong. Obviously that didn't happen because we all watched TakeOver and we all heard his voice at the same strength at the end of the show that I was at at the beginning of the show. But to throw that little emotion line in there, like, how do you not interpret that as as yeah. a as a dig to the situation? So I guess I my thoughts are out there. I'm curious to what you what you think of seeing all this unfold over the past couple of days. Well, listen, I, you know, I don't I, I don't care if I get in trouble for saying any of these things. I, I think Corey Graves sucks, and I, I think he sucks as a commentator, and I think he sucks as a guy. Uh, you know, it's it's one thing to sort of go after a colleague in a very obvious and uh, public way and in a way that truly doesn't make any sense. Because, listen, you can say whatever you want about Mara when I, I have said many of those things. I think he can be a little crazy and a little over the top and the references can be a bit much, right? But... Yeah. I, in my opinion, Morrow is far and away the best they have. And I think that he is, is a big reason for why takeovers are so good. And also, I mean, I think he, Beth and Nigel together are fantastic. I think their chemistry is great. I think Beth has gotten way better and is, is really, really good. I think Nigel is great. So the three of them together, I think are, are, are a great team. Um, so it, it's one thing to go after a colleague and, and, and give him shit for doing his job. Uh, it's another thing to go after a colleague who, you know, has struggled with confidence and with mental health issues that, that to me is, is unforgivable. And I think it's, it speaks to the character of who Corey Graves is. And, and like you said, he has, has certainly not backed down from any of this. The tweet is still up. And he has a pattern of this, right? This is this is what he does. I think he likes to think that he's not part of this fray, right? He doesn't he doesn't get down in the dirty with all this stuff. He he's not sort of a part of of I guess sort of sort of like wrestling nerd culture. I, I think he sort of washes his hands of all of this, but he loves dropping a bomb and, and walking away and acting like he didn't do anything. It's it's disgusting to me. I, I think it's I, I think it's embarrassing, um, and I think it's really shameful. And, and for there to not really have been any sort of apology from 
anybody, whether that's Corey, whether that's the company, whoever, uh, is really sad. Um, I, you know, I, I, I don't quite understand where it was coming from because, I, you know, obviously this was some sort of like harbored ill will towards Morrow uh, for whatever reason. And, and again, like you can think whatever you want of him. And, and if you were to tell me, hey, I just don't like Mauro Ronaldo as an announcer, I'd be like, I get it. But to, to attack him on social media in such a way, I, I found to be really shocking, honestly, even from somebody like Corey, who I think uh, is just not a good person. Um, it, it, it really, it, it was sad to see. And, you know, I, I hope that Mauro is, is doing okay because he, you know, is fantastic at what he does. I mean, he, he amplifies these moments in such a way. And, and I think what Corey was saying, even his basic argument was that, you know, he's stealing the show from Beth and Nigel, uh, I, I think was, was false. And I, I don't know this for a fact, but I bet Beth and Nigel would be the first to say that Corey was wrong. I, I think they love working with him. And I think the three of them do a great job together. So whatever. I, I, I think, I think what Corey did was, was really sad and, and embarrassing and very immature. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I hope Morrow can come back and, and, and continue doing what he's doing because I think he does a great job. Uh, we'll know more Wednesday. Obviously, if he's not on the show Wednesday, there's probably going to be a lot more to unpack from this. Um, but we'll just have to be patient until then. Morrow's remaining radio silent at the moment, um, which honestly, I don't blame him. Take care of yourself. If you're yeah. if you're listening, Mauro, um, take care of yourself. <laughs> yeah, please, yeah. Mauro, please for us. <laughs> There's a reason why videos of like the 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 desk cam of him calling NXT shows is released on the WWE's YouTube channel and not desk cam <laughs> videos of like the Raw crew or the SmackDown crew. Right, like Mauro has a different a different intensity to him. Yeah. I mean, and like I said, it's like, I, I, <laughs> I mean, even within the first like five minutes of watching takeover, I think I had maybe rolled my eyes at Morrow a couple times or something. Oh, for totally. Stuff had, for stuff he had already said. And that's, and that's okay because I like him as a guy. It's sometimes like, he, like if, if he were sitting next to me, I'd be like Morrow, like, come on, dude, <laughs> even that's a little bit much, you know, and he'd be like, no, you're right. You're right. You're right. <laughs> like, I, I, I don't know. I, I just think like, his his heart is in the right place all the time. He loves wrestling. I, I, I've never met him. I, I know nothing about him. I know no people who know him. But uh, from everything that I've heard, he's he's a wonderful guy. And so I uh, uh, I don't want to say feel bad for him because I'm not trying to, to pity him. But, um, you know, I, I think what Corey did to him was shitty. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> well, now that we got that, out of the way, we can maybe focus on the better things that came out of this weekend. Uh, we starting off with uh, takeover. I would say, um, obviously, the main event was the the men's war game match, but we also had our first ever women's war games match on this show, um, which that one opened the the show proper. Um, that being the uh, team of, I believe it was Shayna Baszler, Bianca Belair, Io Shirai, and uh, Kaylee Ray against the team of um, Rhea Ripley, Candice LeRae, uh, what was originally supposed to be Mia Yim, and Tegan Knox. Of course, 
if you hadn't watched the pre-show, you wouldn't necessarily have known that Mia Yim was taken out of the match and Dakota Kai was put into it. Um, which going back and watching that show um, without watching the pre-show at first for myself, um, I was highly surprised to see, um, even though it made total sense where they were going. And as soon as that happened, I kind of, you could kind of tell where they were going ultimately with uh, yeah. Dakota Kai turning heel in that match. Um, but, you know, we also had uh, the three-way between Pete Dunn, Damian Priest, and Killian Dane, and um, as well as the one of the matches of the weekend, honestly, in uh, Matt Riddle versus Finn Balor. Before we get into any deeper into these matches, um, what what was the overall takeaway from TakeOver for you? Uh, for me, it was the Women's War Games match. Uh, mm. I, I thought it was amazing. I mean, one of my favorite matches in recent memory, I think. I, I, I thought just everything about it. I thought it was it was paced so well. I thought the Dakota turn was executed so well. Um, the crowd was so hyped for that. I, I just thought it, it made everybody look like a star, especially Rhea. And that was sort of, you know, that was sort of the point. Um, and it, I just thought it was a fantastic match. I mean, I loved it. It was brutal. I mean, I, I thought the men's war games match was also great, but for me, the women's match was the women's war games match was, was the match of the night. And, uh, probably the match the weekend for me. I, I, I thought it was fantastic. And I, um, I just, I, I think it speaks to, you know, where the women's division is in NXT and, and uh, in WWE in general, I suppose. But in NXT, I mean, you look at that match, I mean, all of those women are just phenomenal. And there were people on the sidelines who, who are part of the storyline who are also great. So for me, great night. I mean, these take, like a takeover is never not delivered, right? Um, at least, at least for me. Um, and, uh, I thought it was fantastic. Uh, a four match card. It's, it's a little bit slight, but obviously with these war games matches that are really long, the men's match, I loved, I thought it was, I thought it was great. I mean, you know, the final spot with Champa and Cole is just like something I'll remember forever. Just brutal stuff. I mean, Adam Cole, I mean, God, what a week for him. What a couple weeks for him. Just stuff that he's had to go through. Amazing. And we can talk about his match with with Pete on Sunday as well. Um, I, I thought it was a great show. I mean, I think the triple threat with with Dunn and Priest and Killian Dane was uh, good, if not sensational. And then Balor, I mean, you know, I'm I'm a Finn Balor guy and I, I uh you know, I love him to death and I love what he's doing right now. It's, it's so exciting to see him be excited again, I think. Um, and his match with, uh, with Matt was great. Just, I, I thought it was fantastic. You know, I, I thought it was really great. Just, it's always a fun night and, and the war games matches, I think when they're going to be two on a, on a, on a card, you worry a little bit, but I think both, both war games matches had their own personality, had their own intrigue, their own different spots, and uh, I thought they both showed out. I thought it was a, I thought it was a great show. So I'm, I think I agree with you in a lot of that. I I think there really wasn't a weak match on this takeover card. Even the pre-show match with Angel Garza and Swerve Scott was yeah. Amazing. Honestly, I'm just a big Swerve Scott guy. Like that dude, put him in any match, and I'm probably gonna like it. Yeah, so... I thought that I I I wasn't crazy about that match. I thought that I thought that match was a little kind of sloppy. Hmm. I, I like both of those guys. Angel Garza is fascinating to me. Like, <laughs> and it, it looks like he and Leo Rush aren't done fighting over 
I, I'm sort of confused about what the cruiserweight title is now, but um, yeah, that that match to me uh, was I don't know, felt a little sloppy to me. I mean, I could see it. Uh, even then, though, like I think it's just both of those guys are so athletic that, of course, anytime they have an off night, it's very noticeable. Um, right. But but even then, like I I think they both still worked a decent for for as short as that match was. Um, compared to what NXT normally does, especially on takeover shows, like I think it still it still worked for me personally. Like, sure. there's yeah. a reason why it was pre-show, but yeah, 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 yeah. But um, I think I might not be as high on the women's war games match as you are. Um, I the match overall was fantastic. There were some really great spots in there. Um, even though I watch NXT UK. I think Kaylee Ray's addition to that team could have been built up a little bit better. Like it's just, it just felt like sort of this attack on deal in a lot of ways, even, even the build up on, on the Wednesday night show, um, you know, having, giving her uh, a match with Dakota Kai to kind of like showcase what she can do for people that maybe don't watch NXT UK. Um, Mm -hmm. Like, that match felt fine, but it just it just it just didn't feel like there was a real cohesion there with her with her addition to the match. And I really think the Dakota Kai heel turn, the attack on Tegan Knox, uh, overshadowed the match as a whole because that 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 moment had such fire to it. I mean, the reaction of Dakota Kai laying her hands on William Regal got more out of the crowd than a lot of other moments than the entire weekend did. I have to say, I was kind of shocked at how big of a reaction that that turn got. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't quite think that the crowd would be there for a Dakota Kai turn like that. Um, it was interesting to me. I mean, I was I was pumped to see it because I, I I like her and I, I thought they told you know this sort of this drawn out story pretty well. I was pretty surprised. I mean, she sold it very well. Uh, but I, I, I was kind of shocked how how well the crowd reacted to her, which was uh, which was great to see. Mm. Especially whenever the turn is so telegraphed. I mean, the moment that Mia Yim <laughs> right. added to the team two weeks ago, and Dakota Kai just sulked away from Rhea Ripley, like you knew you knew it was coming. I honestly thought that the the backstage attacks on the next week's show, where they introduced Kaylee Ray, um where it's going to turn out to be Dakota Kai doing all those attacks. So, you know, I thought they might've jumped yeah. the gun a little bit, but they saved us for the perfect moment. Um, even that being said, like, I, I think I am with you on that. It just haven't, hasn't felt like the Dakota Kai Tegan Knox relationship has really been that um, hot outside of the full sale arena. Um, right. But I mean, it, it worked, it worked amazingly well. Um, and, you know, really the only other moment that was I think was on par for that match was um well two EO's moonsault from the top of the cage will always a moonsault from the top of the cage will always elicit a reaction. Um yep. especially whenever it looks like she is about to just maim <laughs> herself with the way that she falls on that. Well God. the camera work the camera work was great there too. Like yes. it, it, yeah that really sold that moment. No, I'm right there with you. And then, and then of course, Rhea Ripley, that was a star in the making performance there. Like the way they booked that. I, think we, that I think we can, I think we can safely say star made. I mean, yeah. I think she is, I, I don't know. I mean, just the entire, like 
the women's division everywhere right now. I, I I'm sort of unsure of what's happening. Um, you know, we'll we'll get to Sunday in a bit, but like, you know, where we're headed from here with you know, because you can argue that like Rhea right now is is not even argue. I think she. I mean, despite the fact that Shayna beat Becky and Bailey on Sunday, I think Rhea is without a doubt the hottest women's wrestler they have right now and so what and that's exciting for them because she's on wednesdays and i mean i don't know what do you do with her but like it's it's interesting how quickly they're going to exploit that because there's so much happening in in the women's division everywhere with Shayna and becky and 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 what that means in the four horse women of it all. They're, they feel like there's so much to be told here uh, coming soon, but, but Rhea Ripley just like, you know, and even moving into Sunday, like what a, just what a weekend for her. I think they know exactly what they have with her. Oh yeah, definitely. And if they don't like this weekend showed them exactly what they have with her. I mean, the fact that she was getting cheered over like every other woman in the, the women's survivor series match. You know, like the yeah. crowds behind her and, and it seems like honestly, I think she is the woman to finally end Shayna Baszler's reign with the NXT yeah, championship. Yeah. I, my, my only real curiosity is if they're going to drag that out to the next takeover show here in Portland. Thumbs up. I'm oh, that's right. That. Oh, yes. that's, that's right. I forgot finally about that. coming here. <laughs> but um, but yeah, I'd be curious to see if they drag that out all the way to February, the same way that they are likely going to drag out the Tommaso Ciampa, Adam Cole uh, match. Um, I, I, of course, I right. assume that's what they're going to do. But like, it just seems like that's the route they're going to go and put that on a larger stage. I honestly think you could, you could probably see the Rhea title win on a Wednesday night show just based trying to because they are in a ratings mm. war, but it would be a really special moment to see them drag that out to another takeover show and finally give Rhea that crowning moment and then send Shayna to, to, um, I guess, I guess it's the main roster still, even though NXT is on broadcast television now. <laughs> right. And, and now, yeah. So I guess for lack of a better term, send Shayna to the main roster. Um, they've wanted her on the main roster for a while from, from my understanding, so like it, it just made it makes sense. The stars are aligning to get to here's exactly my question. Where you want here's to my question. Here's my question for you though, Brian. Mm-hmm. Is Shayna Baszler a main roster performer? I, think I saw that match on Sunday, Brian, and uh, I don't know. <laughs> well, I think that one. I think that match on Sunday suffered from the spot that it was in because suffered it was at- from a lot of. Suffered from a lot of different things. Yeah, I agree. It did. Yeah, it suffered from the that spot of the fact that should not have been the main event of that show. That was a that was no. a poor decision. No, that should not have been the main event of the show. I know Becky Lynch is like their hot ticket right now, but that should not have been the main event of the show. Um, and and honestly, sh- that I get why it was a triple threat match because you have the three champions against one another. Shayna Baszler is not a triple threat match uh, wrestler. Totally, Shayna Baszler totally. Is, yeah. Totally agree. Yeah, like Shayna Baszler, if you had given given her a one-on-one match against Becky in that spot, I think that you would have gotten the crowd a lot more than they got the crowd um, during yeah. that match. Yeah, Put her yeah. in the ring with, with Bailey. You know, Bailey's just uh, just as talented, I think. You know, it's just one of those things where, like... Mike, Mike disagree with you there, Brian. That's fine. We all have our opinions. 
<laughs> I I think Bailey is uh I like Bailey. I respect Bailey. Bailey is is I mean Bailey has been in one of my favorite wrestling matches of all time, the match against Sasha, but I uh yeah, I don't know. I, I couldn't tell you the last time I, I, I saw a Bailey match that I loved. Hmm. I, I, but, you got I mean, me there. It's it's been a while. I don't know. I I I, I, I yeah. I, I think she's fine. I think that this whole heel turn has been fun. But I, I I'm I'm still not quite there on her as a. I mean, if I were to list sort of my God top ten women across Raw SmackDown NXT, hey, she's gonna be in a match. Uh, I don't think Bailey's in my top ten of names to get me excited to watch it. I mean, I can see that they. She hasn't really been sorry. That no, you're fine. <laughs> so like, I'm just trying to think. Is like, she hasn't really been handled that well on the main roster. She's doing the the best character work that she's done in years with this heel turn. Um, she got a haircut. Yeah, she got a haircut. <laughs> so what, As someone so what, was reg- she, <laughs> what was she wearing on Sunday? What was going on? Don't know. I I was like it looked like something from like Cher's Vegas show, and that's great. I that's that's fantastic. I love that. But yeah, it, I don't know. Yeah, I I I, I don't want to shit on Bailey because I like Bailey as as a just as an idea, and as and I think she's I think she does great stuff just like with the company. I think she's like a great person. But I, I, I'm just not quite. I don't get excited about a Bailey match. Like, tell me that Becky or, or I mean Charlotte. I mean Charlotte for me is is the ultimate. I think. But Charlotte, Sasha, Rhea, Shayna, uh, Io. I mean, I love Candice LeRae. Mm-hmm. You know, Oscar, whatever. Um, I think Bailey's pretty far down on my on my list there. <laughs> hey, like. Different strokes, like that's that's all I gotta say about that. Like I, I I completely understand where you're coming from because like it's been disappointing at times, but I know what she's capable of, and I think that's what really fuels my love for her. Um, Fair enough. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> one person I think we can agree on though, in terms of uh, a rejuvenation we'll of their character. We'll see, Brian. We'll see. Finn Balor. Course, yes right? because my yes oh my god so finn balor's return to nxt um first big match since that return was against matt riddle on saturday and it was probably you know it was one of the matches of the weekend for me personally just because i love both dudes i really like uh finn's return to like this his the wwe version of the prince devitt character um and we really haven't seen him work heel at all in the company in like the what he's been in the company what five years at this point? Uh four or five yeah. years. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think so. Yeah, and he's been a, he's been basically a, a face the entire time. So it's I think it's a really nice opportunity for him to stretch his legs. Um I loved the purple on black. Um just personally. Oh. That that was he great. You look, look good in anything, Brian. I mean he looks good in everything. <laughs> I mean, all you just take his shirt off, and he'll look good, and he looks good in, in anything. So it's really remarkable. Yes, but the the match itself, though, like I I really I really dug it. Um, I think 
Riddle was a obviously they were going to, that was going to be Finn Balor versus Johnny Gargano before Gargano's uh, right. hurt his neck. But right. Riddle was a solid replacement and like that match, it was definitely different from what you would have gotten from Balor Gargano, but you know, they really have something in Matt Riddle there. And I think that this could be the the a feud that could get him to the next level. You know, where like he lost the Riddle, you're had, saying? Yes, Riddle. Like I think Yeah. Because like he he had his title match against Adam Cole on NXT. He lost that match, but he looked really good in the loss. Um, and I think that he's a guy that can withstand some losses, but still has the crowd behind him. And working yeah. with with Balor is just going to get him, uh, I think, to an even bigger level. Um, even if like this isn't necessarily Riddle's time to win, like I don't see him going to the main roster anytime soon. I think he's going to stay in NXT for a while and. He's a I think within the within a year, I wouldn't be surprised if he had the the title. Honestly, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I agree with that. I'm not, I'm not as much a Matt Riddle guy as most people seem to be. I like him. I you know I, I watched him years ago uh, routinely at at PWG shows here in LA. I think he's a very charismatic fun guy i i like him more and more i think he's getting better and better which is he, he he's a fantastic wrestler obviously but I, i've never quite clicked with him um just for whatever reason uh i thought his match with with Finn was was great i i wondered though sometimes when i look at matt riddle what, like i think about what vince sees when he looks at him right <laughs> I think it's you like, got a good picture of that on Sunday night. Well, right. But also, though, like, here's – and I, I I sort of mentioned this earlier, but, like, it, there's no logical reason why Matt Riddle was on the NXT team, right? Like, why wasn't – why wouldn't have Finn been on that team? Like, mm. he lost the night before. Like, why wouldn't you pick Finn Balor to be on your NXT team? Whatever. Um uh yeah, it was a great match. I it's it's an interesting thing. I I wonder what I, I sort of wonder where both of these guys are going. I wonder if Finn is sort of in NXT to sort of be that that guy that will just sort of put people over. Like is Finn going to be an NXT champion again? That feels a little strange, but I mean I I I would like that. I mean I want to see Finn Adam Cole. I want to see Finn uh you know whoever. Um I wonder what his role is in NXT moving forward. But again, yeah, I agree that Matt Riddle is sort of a guy who uh, could potentially be the one to take the belt off uh, Adam Cole eventually. But that that's a that's a bigger question in terms of what is NXT at the moment, and mm-hmm. and because uh, you know the idea of a call up doesn't really exist anymore, right? I mean, like. If we're to believe what happened on Sunday, NXT is where you want to be. It's the best brand, right? So, yeah. you know, Adam Cole gets called up to SmackDown. Can he decline? Like, <laughs> like it? What you know? Why you know? It just you know. There's no sort of sense to any of it. But um, yeah, I I, I thought Finn and and Riddle was great. Finn heel is fantastic, and it's funny because like 
it does. I don't know. It it doesn't feel like it should work as well as it does because I think Finn is such a likable, charismatic guy in real life that like it. He should be a better face, right? At least I think so. And it it he's okay, but like, and obviously we can. You know, I'm sure you know, we talk about all the stuff he's done. Rainbow shirt, blah 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 blah. But yeah. he, he he's so at home in the role he's in now, and it's just like I said earlier. It's just it's great to watch him because it does feel like he's just been rejuvenated professionally and and that's that's great to see no i right there with you honestly like i've been i've been missing prince devitt and i yeah. didn't know how much i missed prince devitt until i saw it again the minute he pulled that that original bullet club the way that he does the finger guns like like nobody else in bullet club does the finger guns like it's just right. totally unique to him, and the way the minute you see that, you know what's coming. And like, I don't know, just that moment in and of itself probably excited me more than a lot of moments from the past couple of years of his run as on the main sure. roster. So yeah. yeah, no, he he was de- he was definitely stuck in a way that I think felt sort of palpable through the screen. You know, mm-hmm. no, definitely. Um, real quick. Before we move on to this, uh, the Survivor Series show proper, because I do want to get to that eventually here. <laughs> I feel like we can talk about. No, I'm sorry. I'm talking forever. I you shouldn't have, Brian. You should not have had me on the show. If, oh I no. Think we, no, no, no. We can no. We can acknowledge it. The listeners are thinking it. This guy talks too much. Oh no, no, no. You are perfectly fine. I I am enjoying this wholeheartedly. <laughs> Trust me. Um, okay. Yeah. I hope so. Oh no, no. Don't get that sadness out of your voice. You're good. No, no, I know. Sad. This is the most. This is the most fun I've had. I'm just saying. I, this is. This is like I'm talking. I mean, not that you, we are friends, Brian. But I'm saying like these are the conversations I have with my friends, and they're often via text. So now I'm like getting to have them, uh, you know, on on a podcast that people are listening to. I'm just. I feel alive for the first. I'm I'm the Finn Balor of the podcast space at the moment. I guess is what I'm saying. Yes. There you go. The prince is back. Thank you. Yes. Um, so, real, I, I do want to touch on the, the men's war games match real quick. Um, yeah. Obviously, we talked about Kevin Owens' uh, his return in, during that match. The pop there was outstanding. Um, really, the only other moment, obviously, Team Ciampa went one um, after probably the craziest, most dangerous spot that I've seen oh. in a, at least a few years um, where. <laughs> Champa gave Adam Cole a air raid crash from the top of the cage through two tables, and I honestly thought that Adam Cole was dead. Like the way <laughs> that he landed, like I, I get like, watching the replay after the slow motion replay. Obviously, he took that on the top of his back. He didn't land on his neck the way that it, it looked like he might have just from the from the live camera. But even then, like watching that, I was just. I'm gl- like y'all pulled it off. That's rad. Please never do this again. <laughs> Especially I know. for Jampa coming. He's just seven months removed from a broken I neck. Know. I know. It's also silly, isn't it? Yeah. But here we are talking about how rad it was. I, yeah, I mean, the Adam Cole of it all, like, I mean, to go, I mean, the stuff that he's put his body, I mean, quite literally, a, a ladder match on Wednesday, uh, what did, did he? What did he do on Friday on SmackDown? Friday, 
I think they might have been part of a run-in on Friday. But, of course, before that, he wrestled, you know, had a, a stellar match with Daniel Bryan, stellar match with Seth Rollins. Right. Um, right. You know. And, and then Saturday kills himself uh, jumping off a, a cage. And then on Sunday has, uh, God, I don't know, maybe the match of the night. I mean, he he's just incredible. I mean, just such a workhorse. And, like, in a way that it feels like WWE – hasn't had in in a while in the sense that like he can put on these matches that unequivocally everybody just kind of loves and it's you hope that he can stay in this sweet spot for as long as possible and and i think that's why the nxt brand if handled correctly is so exciting because they can just keep pumping this stuff out and uh yeah i mean he's just I mean, Adam Cole is is one of the best in the world at the moment. I think that's that's sort of undoubtable. What he's been able to do over the past couple of months is just insane. Even with the high expectations that I think a lot of people have for Adam Cole in that spot, he's superseded them in the past couple of months in a way that oh, I, like, oh, I agree. Yeah, it's been crazy. It, it's so much so that like the War Games match set up a number of challenges for him. You know, obviously. The obvious path is Tommaso Ciampa, but you also you also can throw Keith Lee into that mix. You could you can even throw a Dijak. Uh, um, I always mess up his last name oh, because I just know him I feel as like, Dijak. I feel like I finally got good at saying his name this weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I feel because Dijakovic. I feel like I can uh, say yes. it now. I can say it now without having to think about. Which is a big accomplishment for me. Thank you. Thank you. Standing ovation. Yes. You um, are better than I am. Yeah. Well, Brian, let's not go that far. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Dijakovic. Is, yeah, I mean, he. I, I like him a lot. I just don't quite, like, part of me feels like a year from now, you know, he'll be in that, like, weird tag team battle royal we got on sunday and you're like oh, oh yeah God. i remember when that guy was like in war games and then like a year from now early a year after that he'll like you know be doing nothing no honestly i is that depressing it is depressing because that dude has there's just there's all the potential so, in there's the world. just so much there's just so much talent it's like if you if you can't like grasp on to something like i love that guy i think he's so talented and so good but like is he somebody that like stands out that much like not really right just on face value no i think once he gets in the ring he stands out more but let's face it like if you can't bring like wow people at face value sometimes it's it makes it that much harder for them to um, kind of latch on to you in the ring, especially in the WWE world, at least. Correct. Yeah. yeah. And right now, like you said, I mean, that, that guy who is doing that in NXT is Keith Lee, which thank God, because I, I was worried. I, I was at Keith Lee's last PWG match um, here in, in Reseda in California. And I remember thinking, wow, I mean, this guy, he like the world is just at his fingertips in terms of in terms of WWE, and then he goes and it's like crickets for a while, and you're like, well, what the hell? Like, what what is going on? Like, he is so talented and so good and so charismatic. So thank God that he's he's found a foothold there, and not only that, I mean, he's 
it, it feels like they've sort of attached a rocket to him based on how how Sunday ended, which I thought was was so exciting. So uh, excited to see where Keith Lee goes. But yeah, it, it's it's got to be tough for guys like you know Dominic, who like I don't I don't know what do you do other than just like keep sort of pushing forward, but there's just so much talent everywhere you look. It's, it's very congested. Yeah. I think, I think um, Dominic is somebody who's probably going to stay is better served to stay in NXT for, for a while. I think that I, I honestly think that he will get lost in the shuffle even further. If you move him up quote unquote. Um, But right. But yeah, like I think that he's, I think he's a, has a really good spot to grow and really get a foothold for in the main event picture in NXT over the next year or two. Um, yeah, yeah. Honestly, I wouldn't mind seeing him and Keith Lee tag up uh, in the tag team division down there for a little while. But that'd be fun. Yeah. yeah, that'd be fun. I like that. Yeah, but it, it. But mentioning Keith Lee, I think that's a good segue from Takeover into the survivor series show proper because like you said keith lee probably got the most shine of anyone from the nxt brand on that show um you know he was the the last surviving member of team nxt in the men's match um he had that he got he pinned seth rollins wow Which i mean we also i would god we are we going to talk about seth rollins and raw is this too much god oh god (laughs) the (laughs) This new heel character, which is just basically Twitter Seth, it's just Twitter Seth manifest, honestly. But thank God! But thank God! I mean, that's okay. Whatever. So, sorry. Keep no, no, no. You're Sunday, f- pin Seth Rollins. <laughs> real, real quick. You're right, though. This is the perfect pivot. This is the perfect way to take Seth Rollins because you already have a guy. It's perfect. Yeah, you have a guy who's already being booed out of the building by everyone. And who thinks he's still like the face of the brand, and you just turn that into who he is on on camera now. It's the perfect move. Well, and also if they're going to pair him with AOP, which maybe they're doing, like to to have Seth sort of have these sort of like allies in his corner, I think is really exciting. Everybody kind of loves a stable. Uh, I think it's I, I'm intrigued. Like I said earlier, I think I think Raw last night was or, you know, as intriguing as it's been in a while. So I'm excited to see where they're going with that. Like Seth, the thing about Seth is like, no one can dispute the fact that he's exceptional in the ring. They just sort of hate whatever character that's been driven into them. Seth Rollins is unbelievable in the ring. So if we can hate him while he's being good, that's even better. Yeah, I will take that all day long. Um, it just makes it that much more exciting to kind of get into the, the minutia of the matches outside of just his pure athleticism. Um, yes. For sure. Yes. So see, but Keith Lee did get a pin on Seth Rollins in that match before ultimately falling to Roman Reigns. Um, and then a very interesting show of respect afterwards where Keith Lee uh, bowed to Roman and then Roman offered him the uh, traditional fist bump afterwards um, kind of, I guess, like giving him like the seal of approval in some way, for lack of a better term, I guess. Um, right. Yeah. So I, but even though, like, obviously Roman and Team SmackDown were, were the winners, the real winner was, I think, Keith Lee 
Yeah. Yeah, that match was that match was fine. Um I thought it was you know, tough to sort of get any grounding on like you know, there's 15 people competing in a match. You don't really know what you're supposed to be cheering for um or or what the storylines are really or why anybody has any stake in winning. Uh but I thought they did it pretty well. I mean, t- to have Seth and Roman and Keith as the final three, I think is really smart and cool. And then I think the payoff on Monday was good with Seth. Um, so yeah, I, I, I think that worked really well. And I think like, you know, I think we're building back up to a Roman Reigns main event caliber guy because God, I mean, he hasn't been there, it, you know, it, you know, wrestling fans are so fickle, right? Like they complain that it's always Roman in the main event. Roman hasn't been in like, a main event capacity and God, how long? And at least he will be now. Yeah. And so now like, I, it looks like he's probably going to feel, because they have another pay-per-view in three weeks, which is wild before the rumble. So it looks like he'll, you know, probably face Baron Corbin in some stupid, you know, there, these rumors about like a dog collar match at TLC, which like, oh, sure. What, whatever you want to do. Um, but you know, I think we're I think we're building back up to Roman, you know, main eventing mania here. Uh, come, you know, where are we? It's first week of April, whatever. So I mean, it's it's on the horizon for sure. Um, so I think we're getting into Roman Roman mania season here, and uh, I think that's fine. I like Roman, uh, but yeah, I mean, Keith Lee shined in that match, and, and, and like you said on the show, more than more than anybody else, and I think that's reason to be excited. Yeah, and and I think Keith Lee's moment was kind of the story of the the night overall in terms of the the quote unquote fight for brand supremacy. You know, we we mentioned that you know NXT did win the competition, uh, winning four matches to SmackDown's two and Raw's one. Um, so in the the narrative of WWE, NXT is the top brand, <laughs> which honestly it is. And it's still somewhat considered the developmental brand in some people's minds. It, I don't think it's a, a developmental brand anymore per se, just in terms of the presentation. Like that might be how they interpret it internally, but especially after Sunday, like people who've been watching NXT for the past couple of years know that that show has probably been the most exciting product that the company has put out over that that time span. Um, Without it, not even close. Yeah. And, you know, the fact they've moved to the USA Network is a huge deal. Um, And the fact that they've been able to really kind of, they've maintained the spirit of NXT, even Mm -hmm. with this move in a lot of ways. You really didn't, I I only really didn't feel that, oddly enough, on the, the go home show this past Wednesday, whenever you just had the huge influx of Raw and SmackDown people onto that show. Um, but even then, like that, they won the week, and because of that, um, and I don't know, like I think, I think giving NXT the win overall in the night is just another way of driving people to that show. I think that's really the the main reason why they did it is because they want to continue driving viewers to that show to try and compete against uh, what AEW is cooking up with Dynamite. Um, here, here I, was my takeaway. From Sunday. My takeaway from Sunday was 
WWE is killing the coolest thing they have because they're scared of Cody Rhodes. Like, that's what it felt like to me in in a very unfortunate way. I think... I think these moments are cool. I, I all, all the people who won from NXT, I mean, Roderick Strong won a match at Survivor Series. What is happening? <laughs> but like, but you, they are very quickly killing everything that made NXT cool and different and good because they want people to watch their show on Wednesday. Uh, so they get more viewers than the show that the young bucks are doing. It just felt, it feels short sighted to me in a way. And, it, you know, maybe in a way that you can't necessarily argue with that much, although I, I certainly will. Um, I, I don't know. i like having NXT in the fold for these survivor series weekend things. I, I you know, I, I like the idea of maybe you do a, a, a few triple threats um, and, and maybe NXT, NXT steals a win somewhere. But I, I think when you build up NXT as a brand who, again, is based on Sunday, the best brand that you have, uh, it's not developmental anymore. It's, it's the place where everybody should want to be. And that to me kills it in, in a, in a kind of unfortunate way. Um, so I don't know. It will be interesting because like, you know, from from everything that I've heard, you know, they're going to be keeping things separate moving forward. But also like the Royal, like what, the Royal Rumble, it's going to be the same thing. Like we're going to have people in the Rumble, it, you know, whatever, like Shayna, Becky is going to happen like pretty soon at the Rumble. Maybe. I don't know. Like whatever happens with Ronda and the horsewomen, who knows? But like, like um. I, I, my big hope is that they don't spoil what makes NXT cool and good and special um, because they want people to watch their show on Wednesday nights. I think it's a very viable fear to have, honestly. Like, I know that the, the messaging has been that, you know, after Survivor Series, everything goes back to square one, everything goes back to the way it was, the separations are there. Um, but WWE. But how can it? Has, how how can it? How can that's it? That's the right? thing. That's the thing. Like they finally won a week because they threw all of their like quote unquote like top tier guys onto the Wednesday show. And and the minute that they start losing again for seven weeks in a row, like they did the first seven weeks of this battle, you know that Vince McMahon is going to be itching, itching to get back into that fight. And the best way he knows how is to throw Roman Reigns on that show. Throw Seth Rollins oh, on that show. Oh, God. <laughs> Roman Reigns I in mean, the full cell you're, you're right. You're right. You're, you're absolutely right. Yeah. And, like, you know, we can bemoan that all we want to, but – and, you know, Triple H can have as much control over that product as he wants. At the end of the day, Vince wants what Vince gets. And – or Vince gets what Vince wants, rather. Scratch that. Reverse it. Um so don't you think that like don't you think that the long term they would have been so much better served by just completely ignoring AW on Wednesday nights? Oh totally. Totally. You know, like and if I I I'm well 
I say I'm glad they didn't, or uh, because I love the NXT show and I think it just makes for better competition for for both companies. But you know, I don't know. These NXT takeovers were such a special thing that only existed sort of in the vacuum now because you know you know, four times, whatever, five times a year, we got these shows that were so fantastic. And not that we won't anymore, because I think we still will, but I think they're going to feel a little bit less special now because I think they're going to be more of the WWE brand thing. You know, I, I hope we can move forward. But like, you know, with with NXT being the the brand that that wins the most at Survivor Series, it, it's difficult to to root for them at a certain point, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's what made Sunday so fun for the people at Allstate Arena was, like, cheering for NXT because it was the underdog and it was, you know, whatever. Like, it's not going to be the underdog next year because they won last year. So, like, it's, it's I, I don't know. Long term, I'm not sure sort of, building NXT as this uh as this competitor to Raw and SmackDown is is the best idea and also not the best idea for like future development of wrestlers like why would why would anybody want to leave NXT right now you know if you're on that roster why would you want to go to SmackDown or yeah. Raw they won one match on Sunday you're on the best brand like stay there no i mean <laughs> It's spot on, honestly. Like, I think there's a reason why guys like Finn Balor have gone back to NXT and why they feel like they fit better on NXT in right. a lot of ways, you know. And, and you even saw it on Sunday night. Like, the reason why Pete Dunne and Adam Cole stood out as much as it did is because it was completely different from everything else that you got on that show. Like yeah. NXT is a completely different in ring style than than what you get on Raw and SmackDown, and the more you make them a di- direct competitor, like you're saying, um, the more bleeds over that you have between those those rosters. Like the more watered down it's going to get, yeah. um, potentially. I don't. It's hard to say just because like it's that's the what that's being Triple H's baby and all like. I'm sure that there's much more fight for what goes on to that show with him whenever it comes to like Vince's decrees. You know, I'm sure there's a lot of not down drag outs with what goes on to that show. But, but I'm sure, but I'm sure I'm sure. Yeah, I totally 100%. But I, mm-hmm. I bet triple H likes winning that ratings war just as much. Oh, I'm sure he does. I'm sure he does. But I would just hate to see NXT turn into like SmackDown light. Ugh. You know? Which I, I think know. is a, it's a far, far uh ways from that. But I don't know. Like it I will say this much. From what we have seen, what we have a track record of just the past two weeks, hot shotting to get ratings wins like this um is a like you said is very short sighted. And I think that it is ultimately going to bite them. In the ass. But it worked. But it worked though. I mean, I think you like the comparison for that is, you know, you look at what happens to ratings when like Ric Flair or Hulk Hogan shows up on Raw. Like people watch. Like they people want to watch familiarity when it comes to their wrestling. And when it comes to WWE, I should say. Like, people want to watch stuff that they know. And so I, 
I think like people who have never really given like just a, a very average, maybe non, uh, non smarky sort of wrestling fan who has never watched NXT before because they think it's like, I don't know what they try and brand it as this sort of like indie brand or whatever. See that Becky's going to show up the watch. And so like, I just worry that it's, that's just going to keep happening. You know, like, you know, I I don't want it to be this like, oh, t- on NXT tomorrow, it's AJ Styles is showing up to face Matt Riddle. You're like, well, cool, that's a great match, but like this, you know, we're, we're turning this all into the same stuff. That that's what I that's what I fear, and I think that's, I don't know. After Sunday, I think that's where we're headed for the next for the foreseeable future. I guess. Yeah, I mean, I guess my, I guess the reason why I would disagree somewhat on that is just that um even the hottest of commodities eventually have diminishing returns and you know even you brought up hulk hogan and rick flair like the pat like ahead of the crown jewel show they were throwing them on any show they could you know promoting that (laughs) promoting that and you saw the more that they threw them out there the less viewers they drew so like if if that's happening with Hogan and Flair, like eventually it's going to start happening. The more you throw, you know, your whoever the U.S. champion is at this point. Um, well, I know who it is right now, but like whoever is the champion at that point onto an NXT show randomly every week, like that's going to you're not going to keep drawing the same crowds the more that you do that. Sure. Yeah, I get that. I get that yeah. for sure. Yeah, it's it. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens moving forward for sure. All right. Well, I mean, obviously, we'll have to wait and see what happens with NXT um, going forward here. But there were a couple of matches that were completely devoid of NXT um, that I wanted to get your thoughts on, especially after seeing um, a tweet about a certain character in specific. We'll get to <laughs> him though. We'll get to him though before, um, right after we talk about Brock Lesnar and Rey Mysterio. Okay. Um, so. This match obviously has been built up for a number of months now um, with Ray basically befriending a uh, steel pipe and laying waste to Brock Lesnar on multiple occasions at this point. We also some for some reason, like we've seen we saw Cain Velasquez get involved in this, um, right. which honestly like paid off like a wet fart at Crown <laughs> Jewel. Um and then, of course, we saw Ray's son Dominic um, get involved as well in this feud. I honestly, this is this has been probably the best bit of storytelling that WWE had going into this show. And I'm not gonna lie, this match it has a lot. It had some feel good moments in it. It had some excitement in it. But like most Brock matches over the past year or so, especially the past like four months it left me wanting so much more and it, 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 it just left a bad taste in my mouth in a lot of ways. I don't, I don't disagree. I mean, I Brock is such an enigma to me. Like I rail against every one of his title reigns and yet I get excited for every one of his matches because I think he's uh, such a talented, interesting, just terrifying person. Um, and I think he and Ray together, are obviously such an interesting combo. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I, I, I kind of wish it had been something more than it was. You know, the Dominic stuff, like, 
I, I don't. I don't know. Like, I, it, it's fine, but like, it was a little confusing to me because I, I kind of thought that this would at least pan out until like the Royal Rumble, because like Brock, whenever Brock's champ, like he'll always have these weird matches at the Rumble, right? That are kind of like one-offs that are obviously just like a placeholder until until WrestleMania. And so I thought that that's what Ray would be for him, but then Ray goes and wins the the U.S. title on Raw on Monday. So he's off and off until some, you know, some new sort of storyline, whatever that is. So the Brock Ray, yeah, like it was fine. I, I mean, it, it was cool to see Dominic do a frog splash off the top rope and the dual 619. Like it was fine. I don't know. It, it didn't feel like much of a match to me. You know, it, it, it I, I think Brock and Ray could, if it was just a one-on-one thing, I think the two of them could actually produce something pretty special. Um and this wasn't that for me, you know, it was fine. It, it just, you know, every time Brock sort of wins a title match, you're like, all right, well, what, what's next? Um, it was fine. It was fine. It had some moments. Uh, it, it, I, it won't be something I remember a week from now. No, I mean, like the the most memorable point of the match was the the double team with Dominic stuff, like the double six one nine that you were talking about them hitting, you know, for like, successive frog splashes onto him and the, the, the double pin that Brock kicked out of like the right. Dominic involvement was the memorable part of memorable part of the match for me personally. And the fact that it was just like six minutes and just entered out of nowhere. Um, yeah. Like it felt like they were just in the first part of the story of the match. And then that was just the match. If like, right. I, if I could compare it to anything else, I would probably compare it to AJ Styles, Shinsuke Nakamura from WrestleMania. Where mm-hmm. everybody going into that, like the story around it was built so well, playing off of their rivalry back in New Japan and the title match that they the title matches that they had back there. And then you built you built all of this up, this big fight feel, and you threw it out there and it never got out of the starting blocks. Right. And like for me, like I just I don't know, like it was just so throwaway that it that it frustrated me, but it didn't frustrate frustrate me to the point where I want to see the match again because I don't think that they <laughs> could. Because like it's one of those things where they've they've they killed it basically. Like I don't. Yes, I know Ray's ability in the ring. I know Brock Lesnar's ability in the ring. I know that they could probably have a good twelve minute um, match where they can tell a really great story in that. But yeah. I just, after seeing what happened Sunday, like I don't, I don't necessarily want to see it. Like I don't need to see it. And I'm glad that they pivoted Ray off into a different story, where they, you, he can provide the feel good moments that he is so good at providing. You know that, like you said, Seth was the the Seth turn was your moment for from Raw this past Monday. My moment was that win uh, over AJ. Like that was the highlight of that Monday show and. You know, if they had, if that had been the main event of that show, it probably would have been the best. Like, I would have left with probably the best taste in my mouth, um, considering. But I don't know. The the match overall just didn't work for me, and I don't know what Brock's direction is for Royal Rumble now. I mean, well, that's have- that's what I, that's what I was just going to ask, and this is a whole other tangent. But like, we're sort of in this this season now. I mean, like Brock, you know. So TLC is in is in less than three weeks i i cannot imagine that brock will be wrestling at tlc oh no um so his next match will be the rumble 
And then I would assume after that probably doesn't wrestle until Mania. I, I mean, I don't know. What's in between? I could, I mean, I could even look this up. Now it's like Fastlane, I want to say. Is Elimination or, Chamber is a thing Elimination Chamber. Elimination Chamber even. is still a thing. That's usually February. Hold on, I'm looking this up because now I'm just curious. And I, th- I want to say Fastlane is March. But they might have changed fast lane. I'm not sure. Okay. Hold on. Stand by. Uh, Rumble. Yeah. Elimination Chamber. Mm -hmm. And then Mania. Okay. God. It's also whatever. So (laughs) if I were to, I mean, if I'm a betting man and I am, you know, so you you sort of figure that Brock has, I don't know, some kind of throwaway, throwaway match at the Rumble. It's like Brock. God, who even knows? Uh, Do you just give Kofi his? Uh, mm. <laughs> Do you just I mean, give Kofi his rematch? I mean, that's not a bad idea. Yeah, like, but it'll be something like it'll be something like Brock Ricochet. You know, oh, God, like no people. It will be like people get excited about it, and then like Brock will win in like eight minutes, and then Ricochet will just never touch the main event scene again for like ever. But like, but like my my interesting question is like, we get to this point, and it, it's always like, all right, what's main eventing? And again, I'm I'm hijacking the conversation. What is like what is the Mania main event this year? Like I have no idea. No, I mean, you're not wrong. You have two champions on either brand that are basically invincible at this point, or they have been positioned to be invincible. And right. I don't think the I don't think the match is putting them together. I've heard some people prognosticate that like Brock and, and the Fiend is the direction. I don't see that as what's gonna happen. I oh, think both of them are holding their belts in Mania. That would be that would be <laughs> awful. <laughs> That would be awful. Yeah. Well, you don't want to see Brock Lesnar in the red light. Well, it, also, it's it's out. What are they going to do at Mania? It's outside. Oh God, I mean, I guess, you're right. I guess the uh, who knows they'll probably have the fiend like because they're in Tampa and they're like at the like place where the Buccaneers play. So there's like like weird like ship in the fucking out in, in like the end zone. They probably have the fiend wrestle on the ship. God, I now that that's out in the world, I really let's just get into hope it. that let's doesn't just... happen. <laughs> let's just get into how much I hate the fiend. Yes, let's okay. Let's let's do that. Mania is too hard to predict right now, but I something that is very predictable is your hatred of the fiend. Please tell me what you thought coming out of his win over, over Daniel Bryan. At, on Sunday. <laughs> Here's the thing. I was so on board with The Fiend up until, I don't know, a month ago. I I, I love it. I love the fun house. I love all of it. I, I thought everything from his debut to sort of taking down Seth. I, I did not watch Crown Jewel because I'm a decent person. But uh, I, 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 I was on board. And then over the course of the past few weeks, I've just gotten very tired of it. And then just something on Sunday struck me. 
where like attempting to paint him as something other than Bray Wyatt in a mask was driving me crazy. Like, like what is this thing? What is this thing? It's like, the oh, ogre. He's wearing, a, he's wearing, he's, he's pretty clearly just wearing a mask. And like, he's doing the same move set. And like, listen, I like Bray Wyatt. Again, it Bray Wyatt as a character is the same thing that I have an issue with The Fiend. I like the Bray Wyatt character. Bray Wyatt in the ring, I don't love. I think Bray Wyatt is is has a great entrance, and isn't that fun? You know, wow, all the lights. Isn't that fun? And then he gets down there, and then you have to have a match. And uh, I don't think the matches have been very good. Um, I... I, I'm not on board. I, I think that they they tried something different with him, and I think it's cool. But like, also, every match is going to happen in the dark. Like, we're it's it, it's fun once, but we're already over it. But like, you can't change it now, right? Like, why would you change it? Like, it, it this is just his thing now, where he wrestles and it's dark, and there's like red lights and stuff. It's stupid. It looks bad. The match looks bad. And he's just doing the same Bray Wyatt moveset, but he's wearing a mask. And I, I, it's, I don't know. It just doesn't work for me. It did, it did at the start, but there hasn't been enough of a storyline progression for me other than like, what is this thing? Um, and then when you put him in the ring with Daniel Bryan, who I love, um, obviously, because I'm a human being, um, <laughs> Uh, I want to see Daniel Bryan win. So it, it was successful in that respect, right? Yeah. Um, that I, there, I mean, I didn't, I, I never really thought that he was going to win, but there were some near falls. Um, so I don't know. The, the Fiend is not for me anymore. And I, you know, I, I've caught some heat for this, but this is, the, I, I'm willing to die on this hill. Uh, I, I think the Fiend sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, like there are definitely aspects of the character that I will totally agree with you um, in terms of where they've gone with this character in the past couple of months. Like, I really think booking him to be this invincible figure is the wrong way to go. It, it's you're booking yourself into a corner and you don't necessarily have the imagination to get to get yourself out of it. We saw that at Hell in the Cell. You know, where you had the for the first time that and that I can recall, you had a hell in the cell match entered a disqualification. Um I can't believe you brought it up. I know. You have to though, because that's that's where this all of this stems from. Yes, no, of course. Fact, yeah. You know, like you have the it is the the spitting example of what they have done with trying to turn Bray Wyatt into basically a horror villain. Um but this weird concoction of like Killjoy and Michael Myers that they've thrown in here. Um, right. And you don't necessarily have the storyline reasons for him to be that invincible figure. I mean, let's be fair. The Hell in the Cell, it that match against Seth Rollins killed the match concept in a lot of ways. It killed Seth Rollins' finisher in a lot of ways. And right. honestly, you didn't you never needed to be in that spot. 
and ever since that, that you did not need to have that match at all. And mm-hmm. since then, it's just progressively gotten worse in a lot of ways. And then he I, like wins the belt in Saudi Arabia. It's like I I, yeah. I get why they like I don't know. They do that rematch. Like they I don't know whatever. They can't really have Seth win again there. I suppose, but um, yeah. I don't know. There's been no rash. Like I need some more sort of background on <laughs> who the fiend is. Like that sounds stupid, but like. To have Michael Cole on Sunday be like, what? What is this thing? It's like, <laughs> bruh, he's wearing a mask. It's Bray Wyatt. Like, yeah, like, exactly. It'd be fun. Like, it, it'd be different if, if you were like, I don't even know, like in in like makeup or something. Or like, if like, I don't like disfigured in some way. Like that, like if he like looked like the elephant man or something, you know, like. He's wearing. We see the mask. He's wearing a mask. Is what's happening. Like he bought that at Target. Like it's not that <laughs> scary. Like he's just wearing a mask and has different pants on. Like it, I don't know. It's not that. It's not that scary to me. Like I don't know. It's there's been no like there's no. I, I need some context for what's going on here. <sighs> Yeah, I mean, I think that's the one thing that's really missing from the character, personally, is that you don't have a... There's no real reason why he should be as unstoppable as he is. And I get that in some ways you want to obscure the the backstory or the reason why, because like any other awesome thing that has a bit of mystery to it, the minute you explain it, the minute it loses all of its charm... Um, sure, but I but get that. Yeah, but the character's already losing some of that charm because of the way that you're not even because of anything that he's doing in the ring necessarily, but because of the way like the messaging around that character. Like, I really think Michael Cole's commentary, um, and like basically referring to him as this entity outside of humanity, um, <laughs> in a lot of ways, like right. it's just like it's it's ridiculous like we know what we're seeing we know who that is we get that it's an alter ego but it's not like he's like jason x where he gets turned into like super jason you know but like he right and like he should have like if he's gonna be the like he should have an entirely new move set right like why yeah. why does like and i get like it's just funny for him like i know like michael cole but like he, he has you know he'll say something like this we've never seen anything like this person before and like literally two seconds later he's like all right he has him in the sister abigail you're like (laughs) okay it's the same person like i don't know it it it, it's lost a lot of its luster i i I appreciate that they tried something because i think he anything they've they've done in recent memory and i appreciate that and I, i like something that i love a fun entrance right i mean that's I love that. That's so fun. But um, I, uh, I'm i not quite connected to it. Like, And, you know, I, we'll certainly be riding The Fiend toward Mania. And I think, I don't know, I think The Fiend's going to be jumping the shark pretty quickly. And I, I think I, I've jumped it sooner than most people. But, like, I'm just thinking of a Fiend Mania match and what they're going to try and do. Like, it's going to be at night. There's going to be lights and like, uh, I don't know. It's going to be fiend like 
I don't even know. I can't imagine he'll be the Mania main event. So he'd be that like sort of fifth to last match. You know, it'll be like Fiend, uh, who's on SmackDown. Roman. I get, I get, yeah, right. I guess Roman. Yeah. And like Roman beats him. Like that's not going to go over well. I don't know. Whatever. They're in a tough spot with all that stuff. But uh, Fiend, uh, yeah, the Fiend is not my friend. <laughs> Oh, Lord. I like Bray Wyatt, though. I like Bray yeah. Wyatt. I think, I think he's a talented guy and a talented performer. I used to, like, I think it's all, I think it's all a bit of a mess. I mean, it's, it's, that's just the story with Bray Wyatt, though, in a lot of ways. Like, I've been on his bandwagon since day one, but there's just something, whatever the ideas that he comes up with, that the people come up with for him, whenever they leave the page, and get put on the screen. There's just there's just something, there's some disconnect there. And I don't think it's necessarily Bray's fault. I think Bray's doing the most that he can with what he had with what they're putting out there for him. But there's just what's something that, missing. Can, well, do you, do you know what I think that is missing? What's that? I'm gonna whisper this, and I don't think that he's that good in the ring. Mm-hmm. Like I think that's what's missing. Like I don't know. It's it's the same move set. It's the same five things over and over. Like I don't know. I mean, you're not wrong, but at the same time, like there have been plenty of people who've been able to to take a limited move set and turn it into something exciting. I I think that honestly, well, I think that Bray is, Wyatt's regressed in in the ring. I think he was better off like a few years ago. Yeah, I think so too. No, I don't know. Either way, I hope that they figure something out for him because, like, I, I just want to see him succeed. I, I like, like, like where do you go? People. Where do you go from here, though? Like the fiend, like he's not, like the fiend isn't the Undertaker. Like the fiend isn't something that can like persist and sort of succeed forever. Like we're not the fiend will not. I think we can all agree the fiend won't be like wrestling matches in the dark in like five years right like that's not gonna still be a thing <laughs> no i don't think so i mean this, this character has nowhere near the legs of the undertaker uh as a comparison but so what do you what do you but then what do you do i mean what do you do how, how, who kills the fiend kane oh god do they do we finally get the revival <laughs> like the red light versus red light match do, do they fight it'll over like, just to have the red light? They fight. Yeah, it'll be like. Well, also wait. No, actually, I'm I'm thinking back. Well, I think Bray Wyatt's like main roster pay per view debut was at SummerSlam, and I was I was I was there. It was at Staples Center against Kane in like an Inferno match. So it's already happened, unfortunately. Uh, but they'll do it again. Oh yeah, I mean he can't. He'll. He, I mean, there will be time to get away from Knox County. For sure. <laughs> Kane will probably be uh what? How long until Kane is president? Oh god. Jeez. I I don't know. I I played well, I haven't played WWE 2K20, but from what I understand, that is a hellscape that has an example for you to look at. 
<laughs> oh, is that right? Okay. Appar- interesting. Yeah, apparently there's a thing in there where um, WWE, WWE uh, wrestlers are uh, holding political office, apparently. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, if there's anything I love, it's when WWE and politics mix. Isn't that so true? Oh, boy. And yet, we love it. Hey, it gives us something to talk about, at least. <laughs> <laughs> something that's not the fiend. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Sorry. Listen. Listen. I Have me back, and I maybe my fiend, maybe my fiend takes will have cooled. But, I don't, you know, for right now, I just, I'm, uh, ugh. It nah. feels very one note and very stale to me. No, I, I, I can't disagree with you on that, honestly. And I think that they're all; those are all valid criticisms against the character. And I think that you're not the only one that's thinking that. Um, uh, based on the feedback I got yesterday from my friends and family, it is. Hmm. Hmm. Well, I know some people. I do know some people that are like tinging that way. And I, I'm not gonna lie. Like I'm slowly getting there i'm not all the way where you are yet but like i can see the cracks like i've you've seen the cracks for like two months now and they're just they're just slowly widening yeah i think he got a lot of goodwill from the fact that he was just sort of like hunting down seth and people hated seth and so now if you're hunting down daniel bryan who everybody loves yeah maybe we don't love you so much very very true actually you put it that way thank you so much Brent. of course uh well i think we've talked about this weekend for long enough i guess we should we're gonna wrap up uh by asking you like what was your major takeaway from from the weekend would you say well, I think I sort of said it earlier, and I, I'll say something else as my as my major takeaway to be more positive. But I, I'm uh, I, I'm intrigued by what's happening with NXT and and how sort of enveloped they will be into the major brands and company. Um, you know, it, it's exciting to see Roderick Strong and Shayna Baszler uh, and and whoever else win matches on Survivor Series. That's fun. That's exciting because I like those people. Um, but I also love NXT having its own identity. So moving forward, I'm, uh, I'm intrigued to see what happens there, but you know, I, I think my, my bigger takeaway might be, uh, I think raw on Monday was really, was really solid. Um, as solid as it's been in a while. And I think that's the thing to take away. Like, you know, WWE was, has had the habit of, of putting on good shows, good pay-per-views, good takeovers, and maybe the Raw the next night not capitalizing on that momentum. And I think that they did pretty well um, on Monday. Uh, and, and that's interesting because there's, you know, we're, we're getting into WrestleMania season here in just a little bit. And I think this is the most important WrestleMania season that that the company has had uh, in a very long time. I mean, in certainly a, a decade. Um, mm-hmm. When did when did WCW whatever? Uh, I mean, longer longer ago than that. I mean, you could say like you know, fucking eighteen years. Two, yeah, I was gonna say it could be you know in, in a couple decades now. Um, mm-hmm. I think they need WrestleMania to be very good, um, and I, I I think it will be just just based on 
sort of where they are right now and where they recognize that their talents are. Again, it will be interesting to see what that WrestleMania card looks like. You know, is Tommaso Ciampa and, you know, all these are these NXT guys and, and, and girls on that on that card because they realize what they have there and what people want to see. Uh, I don't know. Probably not. I, I sort of hope not. Um, because I think they need to build up their main roster uh, a little bit more, but I, I'm intrigued moving forward. And I'm, I think for the first time in months, uh, optimistic, I think about where the WWE product is headed uh, towards, you know, the, the big show in April, which again, like you start building towards now we, you know, they have TLC in a few weeks, but you know, the Royal rumble is not that far away. So we're, we're almost getting there and I'm excited. And again, the, the big takeaway, I guess, is, is that it's exciting to be a wrestling fan right now and, and to feel like WWE has competition to be worried about. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I think it's fun. I'm, I'm, I'm excited and optimistic moving forward on all fronts. Yeah. I, I really think that NXT's involvement on WrestleMania weekend, you know, because that was going to be my actually my last question for you since we were since you brought that up was um if we we see an NXT title match at WrestleMania or like or if we have a takeover that sort of thing I like I don't know I think we'll get a better gauge of that once the Royal Rumble happens if you if they have NXT guys in the Rumble right. I think I think that's like the next that's the next stopping point where like, if that happens, like, okay, we know where we're going here, especially considering that the next takeover is in February and they tend to space takeovers out fairly well. And they're not pairing. This is the first one. I think that's not paired with a, a, a main roster pay-per-view. Right. So, so are we, so are we not getting a rumble takeover? To my knowledge, no. I think to my we're getting when worlds collide, the uh, NXT versus NXT right, UK right, 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 event. right, yeah, right, right. Which uh, okay, uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> these big four, these big four takeover pay per view weekends are like my favorite things, but uh, we'll see. Yeah, I mean, so so we'll get a we'll get a takeover in portland in february and then i assume we'll get a takeover the day before mania um so i can't imagine anything super major will happen at that takeover in february mm-hmm. um but may i don't know who knows who knows but uh are you asking what i want the the takeover title match to be at mania weekend well i mean not necessarily what what you want it to be but i guess if that match happens on the WrestleMania card, opposed to having a takeover oh, sure. at WrestleMania, sure. like if they fully integrate NXT into the WrestleMania event proper, like what does sure. that ne- what does that say to you? That that to me is fine. Um, okay. I, I am could, there's enough talent. So let's say we do a takeover Saturday night. There is more than enough talent to do a an entire card and then have the NXT belt defended on Sunday. And even if you want to do like the, like they did this past weekend, which I don't think they should, because I think it prevents build. But if you want to do sort of a triple threat match to see who faces the champ at mania, they shouldn't do that, by the way, that's, that's a silly thing to do. The main event, they have enough talent to do a takeover card that doesn't need that. Uh, I would love to see at mania, 
I would love to see like Adam Cole, Finn Balor for the NXT title. I think that would be incredible. Um, I don't know that Finn needs that because I think like it's so it's it's so hard to say that I want Adam Cole to lose the NXT belt because he's such the NXT guy at the moment. Like what happened to him after that? But like there's so much opportunity like you know, give me an Adam Cole, Keith Lee match or give me Adam Cole, uh, you know, Matt Riddle, like we said. And I, I'm excited about still like, you know, Johnny Gargano, who's one of my favorite wrestlers in the world. Like we still have a little unfinished business business with him and Tommaso Ciampa, which I uh, am excited about potentially. There's just a lot to be excited about. But yeah, I mean, I, I would be more than game for an NXT title match at WrestleMania, I think I think that should happen the way things are are playing out now. Well, like many things in wrestling, we'll just have to wait and see. Well, Daniel, I appreciate you coming on the show this week to to unpack all this stuff. Um, I know we went maybe a little bit longer than we expected, but you know what? That's Thanks my fault, Brian. No, do not blame yourself. Okay, all right. <laughs> Where can people find you on the internet, Daniel? Uh, let's see. I uh, am on Twitter, uh, Dan Trainer One, D A N T R A I N O R Number One. Uh, I am not on Instagram. I am a uh, gay unicorn in that way. Um, uh, yeah, that's kind of it. Yeah, I don't know. Listen to my podcast if you want. Like, I, I think. If you're listening to this podcast, you're probably a wrestling fan. Uh, so I've, I've had the opportunity to talk to a lot of uh, openly gay wrestlers on my show, which, you know, obviously Brian has as well. Um, but yeah, go back and listen to episodes with Jake Atlas or Anthony Bowens or Mike Pero or whoever else. Um, it's I an highly exciting recommend... time. I'm sorry. No, I'm going to no, cut you off. No, go ahead. no. I, I highly recommend the episode with Effie. That that oh. was an outstanding uh, interview there. Outstanding conversation. I gotta say, Effie is my boy. I I Effie really represents. Uh, I think probably most of us who are listening to this podcast as sort of like openly gay wrestling fans. I think he sort of speaks for for a lot of us, and he's just such a badass and is is <laughs> just doing so much great stuff and just announced to like he's doing this like uh Effie's big gay brunch at Mania weekend uh in Florida in uh April. So everyone who's listening to this would probably be interested. Are you going to be at Mania this week or this week uh next year? <laughs> um I am I am tentatively looking at a trip. So I haven't been to Mania since it was in Atlanta. Um, and I okay. think that's far too long of a period, especially with what Mania Weekend has become. Um, well, right. That, that's the thing. Like, Mania Weekend is not – it's it's wrestling weekend. <laughs> that's oh, a yeah. terrible way. It's, it's <laughs> one of those things where, like, you go there to go to all the other shows, and then you don't go to WrestleMania. Yeah. Yeah, well, I think I actually am going to WrestleMania, but I, uh, I, if we're in Tampa at the same time in April, we'll have to, we'll have to say we should do like a live, a live podcast with Effie or something. He would be very into that, I'm sure. Um, oh, I'm so down. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, thank you. Uh, yeah, that's kind of it. I mean, I, I, I have to say though, Brian, I, I applaud you for everything that you're doing. I'm this, the, this show is wonderful, and it, I think it speaks to 
you know, where we are in terms of uh, the progressive nature of pro wrestling that they, that your show can even exist. So uh, congratulations on, on everything. Thank you so much, Daniel. I am terrible at taking compliments, but that does, that does warm my heart. And, and I'm just glad to be able to give, you know, the performers and people within the industry who identify um, on the LGBTQ spectrum, a platform. That's really all I want to do. And, you know, um, these stories need to be told and these perspectives need to be seen. Even if it is us just railing on the fiend for 20 minutes, these perspectives need to be seen. Well, I think, I think, I think that's what, I think that's what makes your show fun is that like, you know, you can have on, uh, you know, openly gay wrestler. We just yell at you for two hours. And, uh, I think that shows the beauty of where we are as a community right now. Couldn't say it better myself. Dan, thanks for, for joining me. Thank you, Brian. This has been really fun. You know, I'm pretty sure Daniel and I could have gone for at least another couple of hours. Uh, one of my favorite people um, to talk to regarding pro wrestling. Um, and honestly, one of my favorite po- uh, podcasters to listen to as well, which I highly suggest all of y'all check out his show, Same Team Podcast, that drops every other Wednesday here on the Outsports uh, Radio Network, on the Outport- Outsports Podcast feed. The same feed where you can find this show each and every Thursday. Um, but of course you already know that if you're here. Just let other people know. Spread the word. We're having such a fun time. I'm, I'm having such a fun time doing this show. Um, this has been everything I could have wanted and more so far. And it's fitting that this show is dropping on Thanksgiving because I have a lot of thanks to give um, to the Outsports team, to all of my guests so far, and all of the future guests that come along, and most importantly, to all of you fine, lovely listeners, all my lads, ladies, and babies that decide to join me here every Thursday to talk a little bit of pro wrestling and to tell a little bit of those awesome stories. But I won't keep you that long because I know it is Turkey Day uh, when this is dropping. So I don't want to keep anybody from the turkey, or in my case, ham. I'm a ham boy after all. So we'll let you get out of here. Uh, but we can't let you go before we throw out some shout-outs to really awesome people that help this show be what it is. Uh, most notably, Daniel Quasar, the designer of the Progress Pride flag that we use in our logo. The Progress Pride flag designed by Daniel Quasar is a product of Progress Initiative. Find out more at Quasar.digital. And of course, we can't leave without throwing out a huge thank you to Sarah in the safe word for our show theme, Formula 666. That's off of the album Red Hot and Holy, which you can find on their Spotify page or on Bandcamp at Sarah in the safe word bandcap.com and of course you can follow them over on twitter at stsw band <sighs> so with all that out of the way i have a mac and cheese in the oven that i gotta go take care of real quick uh but until next week everyone have an awesome thanksgiving have an awesome holiday weekend take care of yourselves spend time with the ones you love and just don't be shitty to each other Bye. Bye.